At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey, y'all. Welcome to the podcast or welcome back. It's Monique, your host. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm going to quickly get into it because my voice is almost gone. I've been sick for several days now, so I just want to go ahead and get this interview out to y'all because I want to make sure that we keep going. (laughs) I recorded this conversation several weeks ago with Ariel Green. She is the host of Sustainable Brown Girl podcast. And so, of course, our conversation was all about sustainable living. Her job, her goal is to connect and inspire as many women of color to live a more sustainable life. And she shares very practical tips on how to do that. As always, you can find the show notes and everything we mentioned in this episode at brownvegan.com under episode 175. Make sure you follow Ariel on Instagram. Her page is Sustainable Brown Girl. Go listen to her podcast, all of the good things. So yes, y'all, I will talk to you next week. I'm just going to go ahead and drink some more tea and try to get my voice together. And I appreciate all of the love and just all of the feedback on the show. So without further ado, let's go ahead and get right into this conversation. I want to start off by finding out why you decided to start your brand. Like what inspired you to bring Sustainable Brown Girl to the forefront? Like what motivated you to start your brand? Yeah. So when I started my like sustainable journey, like 2017, 2018, I went into like a deep YouTube rabbit hole and pretty much everyone that I, you know, kind of encountered on the interwebs were white. And so I'm like, there's no way that I can be the only person of color who is interested in, you know, like caring for the planet. So After doing like a little bit more research, like going on Instagram and, you know, searching for hashtags and stuff, I found a lot of women of color, a lot of black women who were doing sustainability in their own way. You know, like they were sustainable packaging engineers and gardeners and like just small business owners, thrifters, you know, like it looked different for everybody. And I was just so inspired and I'm like, everybody needs to know about this. So, you know, there's all these different platforms like Black Girls Do Yoga and Black Girls Surf and, you know, all this. And so there wasn't one for sustainable brown girls or black girls. And so that's what led me to start the platform. Yeah. So what were some of the first things that you did? Did you go to blogging? Did you go to Instagram immediately? Like, what did that look like for you initially? 
Yeah, I started on Instagram, but I did have my own YouTube channel at the time mm. called Naturally Mermaid. And I mean, I still have a YouTube channel. So like when I first started that YouTube channel, like in 2015, 2016, I didn't really have a direction. And so once I started getting more into, you know, sustainability and environmentalism, my channel started to shift. So Honestly, I feel like the my YouTube channel shifted before I started the Sustainable Brown Girl platform, but yeah, they are kind of interconnected. Yeah. So for people who don't know, what is eco-friendly living or sustainable living? Like, what does that look like for you? So for me, when I first started my journey, I started with looking at the ingredients that were in my product, like in my beauty products, particularly. So this was around the time when I was learning about parabens and sulfates and realizing that those ingredients, you know, just aren't good for us. And so from there, that kind of led into, you know, looking more into the way things are packaged and looking more into just like how, just how things are produced and the amount of waste that comes from a lot of the things that we use on a daily basis. So mm. to me, like eco-friendly is, well, I have this saying, it's like make better decisions for the health of your body and for the health of the planet. And so I think when someone is looking to be more eco-friendly, they're going to make better choices in regards to the products that they're using. They're going to be considerate of the amount of waste that they're producing. And, and then, of course, like, you know, you care about people and the planet because I will get more into this later, I think. But just being concerned about the way people who work for certain companies are treated and the way companies treat the planet, you know, because a lot of the biggest corporations create the most waste. So I don't know if that answered your question. <laughs> it did. Okay. Absolutely. You know, we just had Earth Day. I know this episode isn't going to go live until June, but we just had Earth Day. And there were so many corporations that were just like, oh, happy Earth Day. I love the planet. Blah, yes. blah, blah. And we know damn well they don't. Yes. <laughs> I mean, they may in their own way, but they don't understand like how their practices and how that affects, you know, the environment and how that affects how their employees show up and just everything. So, yeah, I mean, I absolutely understand what you're trying to say. You, no, you didn't try to say it. You said it. I understand what you said. So, yeah. Okay, great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so when you first introduced your platform, we're like, what are some of the things that you really wanted to focus on? Because I think that a lot of times for people, at least for myself, I, I'll speak for myself, it could just feel like it's a lot to be so mindful about everything. I know. So sometimes I tend to be, I get very overwhelmed and do nothing. And so I don't want us to feel like that when it comes to just living better. And so for me, the way I look at it to be more eco-friendly is, you know, eating vegan. Cause mm -hmm. I think that that's like the first step in order to like reduce consumption, meat production, just everything. Cause that contributes Oh, we know the devastation to the environment. So what are some things that people probably haven't even thought about that they can start doing outside of reading ingredients? Because I think that's really powerful too. Yeah, I think one of the biggest things in the sustainability movement is to reduce your waste. So 
I always say to do a trash audit. So (laughs) a trash audit is just like looking through your trash, you know, once it's full, like get a pair of gloves, it's really gross, but it's going to help you see what you're throwing away of the most. So when I did it in the kitchen, I realized like I was throwing away a lot of packaging and like Ziploc bags and food like food waste is a big thing. And then like when I did my trash audit in the bathroom, I realized I was throwing away like shampoo bottles and cotton rounds and, you know, like a lot of single use items. So after you do a trash audit, you can kind of, you know, get, take an inventory of things that maybe you could try to find reusable or refillable alternatives for. Mm, okay, let's unpack that. So for the food waste, yes, what do you suggest in that space, that area? Because when you said this about the the kitchen, I was like, ooh, I do a lot of plastic, and I probably do too much food waste. Yeah. So what are some of the simple things that we can do for that? The yeah. Food waste? Well, for food waste, like planning ahead is going to be the best way to reduce food waste. You know, not to buy too much and then you know try to use up everything. But you know, sometimes we leave that bag of spinach in the refrigerator for too long, you know, try to throw it into a smoothie before it goes bad. But if, if you just can't use it up, you can look into composting. So composting is basically breaking down food and other organic materials back into soil. You know, if you're not ready to make your own like compost bin, an easy way to get rid of your food waste is to like take it to a community garden for them to turn into soil or, well, I think that's probably one of the best ways. I think some communities like do have a composting facility, but that's super rare. Yeah. Just, I think the easiest way to avoid food waste is just to like plan ahead and try your best to use up all the food you have. Mm-hmm. Do you have like, have you ever used any of the tabletop ones, the ones, the really pretty ones that people put on their counters and then they kind of transfer it over to the backyard? Have you used any of those methods? The method that I use is to put everything into my freezer <laughs> until I'm ready to take it to the community garden. Like I haven't started my own compost pile that's like, you know, advanced level that I'm not ready to do yet. But yeah, I have seen people do that and, you know, that works well for them. And if you do want to start like a compost in your backyard, it can be as simple as like digging a hole and just like dumping your food into there and, you know, kind of covering it. But there's a lot of different back backyard methods that you can use to compost, you know, that are affordable and simple enough to keep up. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so I never even thought about the using the freezer method. That's actually better. I think Mm -hmm. because the the pretty containers that are on the counter, I guess they're set up like that so that you don't smell them after a couple of days. But Mm -hmm. your method makes the most sense because if you put in the freezer and then use take it when you're ready, then you don't even have to worry about that. So it's it's more simple. Yeah. So let's talk about the plastic because as soon as you said that, I went, my mind went right into those plastic containers that I use for my spring mix. I yes. buy them like every week and I do use all of the, the greens out of it. However, I'm sure that I need to be just buying my fresh <laughs> vegetables and just cooking, I mean, not cooking them or using them that way instead of using the plastic one. But I'm right. just, I get lazy. Exactly. Ariel, I don't want to rinse. <laughs> no, I know. I hear you. Like I still buy the spinach in the bag. So it is 
worrying about, you know, those types of things like your packaging and all that, it can be overwhelming and it can be time consuming. So you kind of have to pick and choose your battles, you know? So yeah, if you're still buying that in the, in the plastic, then, you know, that's fine. However, when you do go to the grocery store, instead of getting like the plastic produce bags, you can get reusable produce bags. So at least you're cutting down on your plastic use then. And of course, you always want to take your, you know, reusable grocery bag so that you can refuse the plastic ones. So it's not about being perfect because that's impossible. And we have lives and, you know, we want to enjoy our lives and not be in the freaking kitchen all the time. Mm -hmm. So yeah, so there's little changes that you can make here and there. And it's going to look different for everybody. But I think that, you know, we can all make some simple changes to, you know, make a difference. Absolutely. Yeah. But I'm going to be more mindful because maybe instead of doing it every week, maybe like every other week, you know, I'll Mm -hmm. just make sure that I just put a little bit more effort into just cleaning them and just putting them away and going from there. So, yeah. Okay. Let's get into the bathroom because I know that a lot of my listeners probably... They love their shampoos and lotions and potions and everything in the bathroom. And there's a lot of plastic and a lot of times the ingredients aren't the best either. So what do you recommend as someone getting started to being, you know, more mindful about their consumption? Yeah. So one of the first things that I changed was instead of getting the, you know, disposable cotton rounds, I switched to some reusable ones. So I use those to put my toner on. I use them to remove nail polish remover. I don't really wear makeup, so I don't use them for makeup removal, but you can use them for that too. So yeah, just looking to replace the high waste things in your bathroom with reusable ones. Like you mentioned, there are shampoo bars. This is a tricky one, you know. I was going to say, yeah, I don't know. (laughs) Right, right, right. So, yeah, I mean, you can only do what you can do, but I always say, you know, look at your ingredients. I think that's the most important thing is to use products with better ingredients and start there. But there are quite a few shampoo and conditioner bars made by Black women. One is Coils by Nature. Another is Tree Naturals. So, you know, if you're open to trying some new things, you definitely can look into that. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't even consider that because I was thinking years ago I tried one and it was just so drying. And I was like, so maybe it was because it wasn't necessarily um, formulated for our hair, you know, because we tend to have drier um, scalps. So, yeah. Oh, okay. I didn't even realize that that was a thing. So thank you for putting me onto that because now I'll consider it again. Right. Yeah. And then aside from that, there's also different deodorants. I actually had someone on the podcast recently. Well, we did an interview. It hasn't aired yet, but we were talking, she's a doctor and we were talking about deodorant and there is a myth that aluminum and deodorant causes Alzheimer's and like other health issues. And this doctor busted that myth So that kind of like flipped my world upside down because I had thought that for years. But one of the big things in the sustainability and movement or like, you know, people who are doing things is that you want to use natural deodorant 
and use deodorant that's like, you know, not packaged in plastic. So there are a lot of options for that. Like even at Target, you know, like you don't have to go online to buy these things. And Dove recently created a refillable deodorant. So if you still want your aluminum, but you don't want the plastic, you can, you know, shop with Dove and you know, be able to have the refillable type so that you don't have to get the plastic bottle every time. Yeah, that's a good idea. That's a, like, I feel like an easy one to do, mm-hmm. especially because people can live, they're already in Target getting, you know, toilet paper and things like that. They don't have to worry about it. Speaking of toilet paper, sometimes I know when I, <laughs> I remember years ago, I went to throw a rabbit hole on YouTube, <laughs> probably similar to you. You probably came across videos like this as well. And People did not use toilet paper. And I think bidets are amazing. I don't think you necessarily have to use it. But how do you feel about that as far as reducing paper towels and just toilet paper in your home? Are you into that? Is that is that that deep for you? Or like, how does that look? If you don't mind sharing. Yeah, well, I have used some bamboo toilet paper and it's not for me. And it's not for my really? husband either. Yeah. He has a sensitive bum. So, uh-huh. so he's like really picky about the toilet paper. We tried a few different ones and, you know, it's just not worth it for us. Although like I would totally get a bidet. I don't have one yet, but that's definitely a big option. And that will help you to reduce, you know, the amount of toilet paper that you are using. Yeah. And when it comes to paper towels, I bought some reusable paper towels probably about a year ago now. And girl, let me tell you, it is life-changing. I I still have a roll of paper towels on hand, like for the for like cleaning the toilet and like, you know, other random messes I don't want to like, you know, wash. Mess up your towels with, yeah. Yeah. But like when it comes to using paper towels like for food, you know, like when I'm eating stuff, when I'm drying things, I go to my reusable paper towels and it's made a huge difference. I've gone from using like a six pack of paper towels a month to using like one roll every two or three months. Mm. So when you say reusable, what do you mean? Because I know when my kids were young, when I was, well, my kids were younger, what I used to do is I went to like Target or someplace like that and got kind of like washcloths, but they weren't mm-hmm. really that, they weren't that thick. Mm-hmm. And I got a pack of six for like $2 and I got several packs. And then I would just had like this little drawer that I would put it in. And anytime they needed to wipe their faces and everything, I would just give, you know, give it to them and then I would wash it. What do you yes. say reusable? What does that look like for you? So I try not to encourage people to buy things when they already have things that they can use. So like if you do have a bunch of like tea towels or washcloths or things that you're, you know, not using or even like old t-shirts, then you can totally use that. Mm. But I wanted to go to cute option. So (laughs) there's this brand called Marley's Monsters, but it's not just this brand. There's lots of other brands where you can get like actual, they're just reusable paper towels or like fabric the size of a regular paper towel And yeah, it's just like a piece of cloth. And then, you know, you just use those like however you want to. But yeah, it's just whatever you want to use to, you know, use as a paper towel, you can do that. But I just wanted to go the cute option there. Of course, we got to. I mean, you got to keep it cute. We can keep it fun. Yes, exactly. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) 
It's Monique hopping in to tell you about one of my favorite brands of cookies and to let you know how you can save some money when you try them for yourself. Shout out to Maxine's Heavenly for sponsoring this episode of the show. I've told you about them before and I'm gonna keep talking about them because they make delicious gluten-free cookies that will satisfy any sweet tooth without a million ingredients. Maxine's Heavenly Cookies are naturally sweetened using ingredients like dates and coconut sugar. They have two lines of delicious cookies to choose from. From their super soft line of cookies, my favorites are the peanut butter chocolate chunk and snickerdoodle. And from their crispy line, I would say that my all-time favorite out of all the cookies has to be the chocolate chip. It's like the perfect ratio of chocolate chips and crunch. Ugh, my favorite. I think you'll love those. For a generous 25% discount, all you have to do is head over to MaxinesHeavenly.com and use the discount code BROWNVEGAN to save some money on your first purchase. Once again, that is MaxinesHeavenly.com, discount code BROWNVEGAN as one word. I'll also be sure to link them in the show notes for this episode as well as the blog post to make it easy for you to click through and purchase. Speaking of cloth, let's Uh talk about fast fashion. First, let's start off by talking about what that is. And of course, then I want to get into ways that we can just do better at it. Because I feel like in this day and age where there's brands online that have, you know, $5 clothes and summertime's coming up and we want to be cute. Yeah, start off by telling us what is fast fashion. So fast fashion is basically the ultra... uh, quick turnaround of the production of clothing. There's some brands in particular that are like the highest offenders. So places like- I got some in mind, but I didn't want to bust them, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you don't mind, I'll just name them. Like- (laughs) Sure. Yeah, Shein. That's where I went. I went right there. (laughs) Yeah, that's like one of the top ones. But then also like mall brands, like Forever 21 and Zara. Basically anyone who is pumping out new styles- every day or every week. That's going to be fast fashion. And the problem with fast fashion is that they are quickly producing like this low quality, cheap clothing. And so people are looking at them as like almost disposable. So you'll get these things, you know, I'm sure we've all been on YouTube and seen like hauls of people buying like $300 worth of clothing. They try them on only half of it looks good on them or it's like falling apart. And it's like, Oh, it was only $5, whatever. I don't care. But Mm -hmm. there were actually people who made those things, you know? And so not only are these clothes being produced in high, high, high quantities and people are only using them, you know, for, one or two or three times and then throwing them away, which is leading to them going to landfill and like clogging our landfills. But also the companies that are producing them, it has a high environmental impact. Like creating clothes uses a lot of water. Plus when you're dyeing the clothes, that leads to toxins. And most of these companies creating fast fashion don't care about their environmental impact. So they're dumping this toxic water into waterways that are in countries of color. 
So mm-hmm. it's, you know, messing up their waterways. They can't get clean water, not to mention they're being paid pennies, you know, so it's also a human rights issue. You know, they aren't making enough money. Their work conditions are awful. And so, yeah, there's a, <laughs> there's a lot of problems with fast fashion. So, you know, so I would just say, just to be considerate, just really think about before you buy something, do I really need this? Am I going to wear this several times before, you know, before it falls apart or before it's out of style, you know? So just be considerate of those things and, you know, cut back if, if you can, if you really don't need something, then, you know, don't buy it. Yeah. Quality over quantity, right? For sure. Yeah. So I know last time when we spoke, we when we did our pre-interview, I told you at that time that thrifting sounds cool, but I'm not really a shopper. And the idea of sifting through clothes is not does not make me feel good. Like thinking about that does not make me feel good. Yes. And in my mind also, when I thought of thrifting, I thought of Goodwill. And I've been in there before and I was just like, mm, I already don't want to shop. And I'm going to mm-hmm. shop in here and it look a mess. <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> So, but you know what, since then I actually went to a very nice thrift store down in Richmond, uh, went to have lunch with one of my uh, friends. And so now I have a different perspective of thrifting. So can you give us some tips for someone like me who (laughs) needs a little help as far as thrifting? How does that look like? How do you determine? Well, I don't even know. Just yeah. any tips you want to share about thrifting that you, in, based on your own experience with that. Yes, I'm with you, girl. I do not love shopping. And one thing, like, I, I know some people love to shop and they may love to shop at thrift stores too. Like some people can can translate that love of shopping into thrifting. So I'll talk about me first and then I'll give tips right. for thrifting. So for me, what's been helpful with curating my closet has been first identifying my personal style so that when I do go to the thrift store, I have a good idea of what types of things I'm looking for so I don't get mm-hmm. too overwhelmed with options because everything in the thrift store is different. You know, like when you go to the mall, you have an idea of what you're going to get in different stores, but in the thrift store, it's like, woo, everything for everyone. So having an idea of my personal style has been helpful. Also, I have a capsule closet. So basically that means that I have really nailed down my style. I know like what colors I'm bringing into my closet. So like, I'm never going to bring in like a red shirt or, you know, something orange because it doesn't match with everything else that I have. Okay. So Mm -hmm. that's, that's just me, but yeah, (laughs) this is great. (laughs) When it comes to thrifting, some tips are to, if it's your first time going to a thrift store, I would say like, Take your time and maybe just kind of familiarize yourself with the layout and just kind of see like what types of options there are, you know, because, you know, you can, there's everything in there. And after you've done that, then I would say coming up with a list for the things that you need are good. You know, we were just talking about fast fashion and over consuming. You can also over consume when you go to the thrift store. So, you know, you may not want to just go in and buy all of the cute things, but kind of have an idea of what you do need in your closet. Aside from that, like, don't feel like you have to look at everything. Like you don't have to go through each shirt on the rack. So for me, since I have a capsule closet, I know 
typically things in the thrift store are like organized by color. So I know to skip past the reds and the oranges and the yellows because I'm not going to buy anything from there. So I can just look at the specific colors that, you know, that are in my closet. And then also like make sure that you have enough time, you know, like it can be overwhelming. So don't, don't go into the thrift store and you only have 10 minutes to look around because you're probably not going to be successful. And then to like, be sure to try things on before you buy them. Because again, like when you go to the mall, you kind of have an idea of how each store's sizing is. But when you go to the thrift store, everything's going to be different. So a size may not be exactly what you're used to. So make sure you try things on and then inspect them for stains and all that. But yeah, mainly like take your time and don't be discouraged if you don't find anything. And then also like go in with the list. Yeah, definitely. This is all good. I love it. I love it. And I'm like thinking about how when I went to the thrift store, like I mentioned, I didn't really I didn't have an idea what I wanted. So I was just kind of looking around. So now Mm -hmm. I just feel, I guess at this point, just more open minded about it. Because like I said, up until that moment, I thought that thrifting was goodwill. Yeah, you did step one. You familiarized yourself with it. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. (laughs) So, okay. You know, I gotta, I gotta address the, I guess, elephant in the room with you, Ariel, because (sighs) let's Mm -hmm. talk about it. Let's Let's talk talk about about it. it. Okay. (laughs) So you are, of course, into eco-friendly living and sustainable living, but you're not a vegan. Mm Mm-hmm. And I know, yeah, you said this on your podcast or you said this on a reel. You said, you don't have to be vegan to care about the planet or animals. Yes. And when I read that or saw that, I was like, ouch. (laughs) You said your responses were like positive. And I was like, interesting. Okay. So I got to hear. I think at one point you did tell me you used to be vegan. So you can talk about that journey, wherever you want to go, what direction you want to go into. I'm really curious about why you decided that at this moment that you're not a vegan. Yeah. So I guess first, let me address like the real, I've also done a podcast episode about me not being vegan. And I I know I'm not the only person in this community who isn't vegan, but definitely does care about the environment. So like you said, there were some positive comments on there. I don't think that there really were any negative ones. And honestly, I haven't gotten much hate from people within my community about not being vegan. And so I think the thing there is just that we're all at different levels within our journeys and everyone does things a little bit differently. So it's not all about one thing, you know, like some people probably still use, you know, like plastic water bottles to drink from and, you know, like things that a lot of people within this community would think are, are no, no, yeah. Since we're all in different places. It's kind of like more accepting. But as far as my own personal vegan or vegetarian plant-based journey goes, when I was five, my family became vegetarian because of religious reasons. And so from like the time I was five to 11, we didn't eat any type of meat. So prior to that, you know, like I'm sure I had burgers and and stuff like that, but like, honestly, I don't even remember it. And so since then, when I was like 11, we kind of started eating meat again, particularly chicken and turkey and fish. But since I was five years old, I have not had beef or pork. And beef particularly is one of the highest environment, has one of the highest environmental impacts. So 
I kind of, you know, pat myself on the back for, you know, maybe I'm not completely vegan, but at least I don't eat beef. <laughs> but, right, 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 right. And then too, when my husband and I became vegan for a year, this was like in 2013, after we watched a documentary on Netflix. And what triggered that for me, like in the documentary, it was seeing just like the farm raised animals, particularly chickens, since, you know, I don't really eat beef. That didn't affect me as much. But seeing that, I was like, oh no, this is gross. Mm -hmm. So yeah, so that turned me off for a while. But then it became difficult to keep up the the veganism because of family, you know, them like just like not understanding like it it was like Thanksgiving and it was just difficult. Like we were already kind of burnt out, me and my husband, on, you know, the cooking and planning meals and all that. And so we were like, okay. And we had slowly incorporated chicken and fish back into our diets. But now I do definitely try to limit the amount of meat that I'm eating. And we use like, you know, plant-based substitutes as often as we can, as far as, you know, like we use oat milk and vegan butter and coconut milk and, you know, all those types of things. So we do try to reduce the amount of meat that we're eating. So, yeah, I think that it's, it's not about being perfect. I know everyone doesn't agree with me, but for me, it's not about being perfect in anything as far as environmentalism goes. But as long as you're making an effort to be better, which I feel like I am most days, <laughs> then, mm-hmm. you know, then that's that's good. Yeah, it is. I think that all or nothing holds a lot of us back. So doing your part on a consistent basis is everything. So mm-hmm. I don't want to discount that. And that's why I wanted to bring it up because I know that that's, a lot of conversation in like the vegan community that you can't be an environmentalist if you're not be if you're not vegan because it's a contradiction. But yeah. I also feel like all of us are contradictions in some exactly. way or shape yeah. or form anyway. Just like a lot of the times if I, you know, kind of going back to the plastic thing, people tell me, you know, well, you shouldn't use plastic, you shouldn't do this, you shouldn't do that. A lot of times in the Instagram comments that I'm thinking to myself, well, that's not my that's not my mission right now. That's right. not what I'm focusing on. Mm-hmm. I'm going to focus on the things that are true to me. And I think that that's important. And we don't give ourselves enough credit for that. And I'm going to give you credit for it. And that's why I wanted you on the show, because yes. I think that's this conversation is important. You know, it doesn't have to be all or nothing. So, yes, yes thanks, thanks for girl. sharing that. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I want to I want to talk about podcasting because that's actually how we connected. You yes. invited me on your show. We actually we were already following each other on Instagram, but mm-hmm. that was the first time that we connected. When you had me on camera, I told you, Ariel, I'm not going to forgive you for this. Uh-huh. <laughs> in, <laughs> in fact, I'm thinking that we should. I was thinking to myself, I want to re-record it. Maybe I'll actually make sure I look decent. guests. <laughs> I got to get over that, like the camera thing, because I'm telling you, I'm always in chill mode. But what made you decide that podcasting was the way to go? Because of course, you started on YouTube and a lot of people will just, you know, continue to grow there. But you decided to go to podcasting. What made you do that? Yeah. So when I started the Instagram account, I was mainly, you know, like reposting brown girls who were, you know, doing their environmental thing. And then I was like, wait, 
I can't share their full story in a caption. So that's what led me to start the podcast, just so that we could really hear from these women of color who are making waves in the sustainability in the sustainability industry in their own way, you know, just so that we could really hear their background and what led them to start their journey and like what they're doing and all that so that we could, you know, spread the word more widely and yeah, just give more background information and let other people know that there's so many different ways that you can be eco-friendly and sustainable and it's going to look different for everybody. And just to give people ideas on how they can make a difference because, you know, sometimes seeing other people do things, it's like, oh, I never thought I never thought about that. Oh, that's a career path that I could take, you know, just to, you know, just spread the word. I love it. Yeah. So what does that look like as far as your workflow? First of all, when we were on camera, I absolutely love your workspace. And yes. you told me that was like a corner in your room. Yes. Do you? <laughs> so as far as your, because I always want to know like behind the scenes of how other people do their shows. Mm-hmm. As far as like your pitching and all of that, like what does that look like? Do you have like a running list? Kind of keep things organized? Like how do you do that? Yeah. Well, I've been doing the podcast for two years come June. And when I first started, I would just randomly DM people and ask them if they wanted to be on the podcast, you know, people who I was following on Instagram and, and I was interested in what they were doing. But now I have an intern, Ariel with two L's and she has been amazing. She's been like emailing people crazy And so, like, we have a huge, like, backlog of interviews that we're putting up through through the rest of the year. And at first, like, I was worried that I would run out of people to interview. But, like, there's just so many people doing different things that it's like you can come at sustainability and so many different aspects. It's not just about environmentalism. You know, it's veganism, it's like packaging, it's like small businesses. Like I've talked to a woman who has like a sustainable fashion company, you know, like there's so many different things and it's just, yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. (laughs) Yeah. Having that extra help is everything. I I started off similar to you. I'll just DM people and then I was in, I had to do everything. And now it's just so much, oh, it's so much better to have somebody else (laughs) help me with those things. Yeah. I have a sense of relief. So that's a really good idea. And then you're right. Like we really don't run out of people to talk to because there's so many different ways that we can bring someone's story on. So I love that. I love it. So what are you looking forward to? Just curious, just life. I don't know. I think one of the things that came out of the pandemic is I always want to know like what people are looking forward to because I felt like for a moment there, there wasn't really much to look forward to. Mm -hmm. So yeah, business, life, anything that you're looking forward to, in the next few years? Well, as far as business goes, I think the next step for for Sustainable Brown Girl would be to like turn the podcast into like video shorts. You know, I don't know if you like watch Vice or anything like that, but I would love to make little videos where I'm actually going to the place where the Sustainable Brown Girls are and like following them and their life, like, you know, kind of like a day in the life and learning oh, wow. more about what they're doing. So That's, yeah, that's a big goal that I have. But as far as like my personal life, my husband and I just celebrated our 10 year wedding anniversary. Oh, congratulations. (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah. So now, you know, we've been together for a while. 
And hopefully we'll start having kids soon. <laughs> hopefully nice. fingers crossed, pray for us. But yes, we will. Yeah, that's been a struggle, but hopefully the struggle is nearing an end. So that's what I'm looking forward yes. to. <laughs> that sounds amazing. This is great. This is great. I knew this would be a great episode. I'm so thankful that you came on to share ways on how we can just be more mindful about our consumption. And, and then this perspective of it not being all or nothing, which is something that I truly live by. So let us know how we can come follow your podcast, Instagram, or wherever else you want to send us. Yes, the podcast is available on pretty much every platform. So yeah, just search for Sustainable Brown Girl. And then on Instagram, you can find us at Sustainable Brown Girl. We would love to have you. Yay. Thank you so much again for being on the show. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. This was fun. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the show. If you're enjoying the podcast, be sure to rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts to make it easy for others to find us. Also, tell a friend. Be sure to share the episode on your Instagram stories and tag Brown Vegan. Thank you so much for your support and I'll talk to you next week. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.